but there's that uncertainty hanging over everything. And so there's that, um, you know, what will the budget look like for next year? And, you know, the, the discussion of what cuts we have to make, you know, to prepare for what is really a, a totally uncertain time. Um, you know, and it's just a, a really good reminder that we're not in control of very much about this situation. And, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to use it as an opportunity to remember who is in control. Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. Um, on my ongoing journey of getting people together to talk about things I know nothing about, uh, this is the second part of that series when it comes to economics. Last week, me and Travis interviewed um, Lord Acton uh, on economics and finance. And today I have a great opportunity to further that conversation with a friend of mine that goes all the way back uh, to my time at the University of Alabama. His name is Dr. Uh, Shane Underwood. He is the uh, chair of the Department of Finance and Insurance and Real Estate um, at Baylor University. How do you say the School of Business? Is it Hank? Hank Meyer? Hank Meyer? How do you Hank say it? Hammer. Hank Hammer. Hank Hammer School of Business. Of course, he is a University of Alabama grad, but he's also a grad of, uh, is it Wharton School of Business, which is kind of the um, kind of the big dog when it comes to schools around the globe. He is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met, and actually the only guy that I know that's ever been on Jeopardy. Uh, Shane, Dr. Underwood, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. It's, it's great to join y'all and to, um, you know, have some fun talking about some really important stuff, I think. Yeah, what an interesting time that we live in. For those who are probably listening later, who knows, um, you know, in the future, listening now, we're right in the middle, maybe the tail end of this pandemic of COVID-19. Um, even this week, I did a, a podcast with pastors on how churches are dealing uh, with this pandemic. Um, but we think thinking and talking about economics uh, seems to be something that's important for our church as we help equip think, people to think reflectively about uh, their Christian worldview. Um, I'm just going to start it off pretty easy. And I'm all, when, I, when me and you do talk, I'll ask questions and you'll remind me that that's not necessarily your area of expertise. So tell me in the world of economics, tell me what it is that, you're, that you deep dive into and you study and, and teach the most. Yeah, so I would say... Um, you know, what, I, what I'm most passionate about and where I end up teaching the most and, and my research is in the area of investments, um, how, you know, big institutional investors think about how to allocate their money across asset classes and how to pick individual securities, um, you know, but broadly, uh, you know, that fits in the much bigger picture of, of finance in general, but, you know, definitely on the financial market side of things, I would say. Okay, so that that's one of the reasons why, well, there's multiple reasons why I wanted to bring you on, but tell me first, before we talk about specifically finance and, and the stock market, uh, tell me 
how you, how's your family doing? How are you doing? How is Baylor University dealing um, with this pandemic? Well, the family is, is doing well. We've all stayed healthy and, you know, we've made the adjustment to uh, schooling at home for the boys and, you know, being at home with each other all the time. We've had some great, uh, great opportunities to be a lot more productive outside. And I've had the boys doing some work, cleaning up tree limbs and moving some piles of dirt and stuff like that. So that's been one of the blessings. Um, Baylor is, you know, like most universities, we've shifted to everything online. Um, including the summer. And so for most of my faculty, so I'm, I'm chair of the department. That means I've got to kind of make sure that's going well for everybody. And for the most part, it's gone pretty smoothly and students are staying pretty engaged. Um, but there's that uncertainty hanging over everything. And so there's that, um, you know, what will the budget look like for next year? And, mm. you know, the, the discussion of what cuts we have to make, you know, to prepare for what is really a, a totally uncertain time, um, you know, and it's just a, a really good reminder that we're not in control of very much about this situation. And, uh, you know, we have to, we have to use it as an opportunity to remember who is in control. It's interesting that, uh, almost on every level, uh, whether it comes to universities, it comes to families, churches, um, governments, we all have to worry and think about, um, where, you know, finances in our economy. What, as you look and think about two, two weeks, months into the future, I mean, wh what do you think the economic impact on families will be on, you know, institutions like the government or education? Um, maybe forecast a little bit for us. If not forecasting, uh, tell us some of the things that you would like to think about when you're thinking about forecasting these things. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, Really, I think um, two months out, we're not that different from where we are now, except we have a little bit better, you know, clarity on where we're headed. Um, you know, this is kind of getting away from the finance side, but I think the key, as, as we all know, is, is, um, is testing and being able to, to trace, you know, where things are. And I really, you know, I think that's where our efforts uh, need to focus. But, you know, if you, if you think about this from a financial markets perspective and like, what should what should a, a company be worth? You know, if uh, the stock of a company like you know, let's take Apple or something like that. You know, essentially, what it what the value today represents is just the present value, right? Take all the cash flows that Apple's going to produce in the future, and this is what we do in you know the first finance class that everybody takes is we learn how to translate those cash flows out in the future into the cash flows into the present value today using some interest rate try to forecast those cash flows best we can. And so we're kind of left at this uncertain point right now, right? Is this, they like to use the term, is this a V-shaped economic recovery or is it more of a U-shaped with, you know, this, this kind of gradual downturn that slowly comes back or is it, is it kind of a Nike swoosh or, you know, what is it, <clears throat> excuse me, what is it that we're facing? And as you think about doing that valuation, you know, what is a company worth today? If this is a V-shaped crisis that the economy is facing, then maybe lopping off a year of, of cash flows doesn't really hurt the value of a company that much. If it's a much more prolonged thing, you know, then that discounting process 
it gets affected a lot more. And I hope I didn't get too much into the weeds there with that. But that's, those are the things we're thinking about is how prolonged is this going to be? Um, and then the other piece is what are the knock-on effects? You know, we, we were in a pretty good state with the economy for a long time. You know, this, this economic run lasted a long time. The bull market in stocks lasted a long time. And it wasn't going to take much of a trigger to kind of kick us out of that. And now we've had the trigger. And so the question is, what sort of knock-on effects are there? You know, were there firms that had borrowed too much money um, and so are going to go away as a result of this? And then how much does a government bail out or things the Federal Reserve is doing? How much does that end up impacting them and their ability to survive? And so there's a million questions, but those are the kind of things that occupy my mind a lot as I think about this. So you're in a Christian institution. Baylor is not only a fabulous academic institution, but it's got Christian principles and based, and it's historically um, started as a Christian institution. How, how are you thinking about this in terms of not only your, your professor hat, but also as your Christian hat? Um, what are ways that you're, you're trying to make sense of, of this new kind of financial world that we're living in, and also in terms of its, its implication on the individual Christian's life and maybe even church life. Think about that stuff a lot. I mean, that is, that is a big part of what attracted me to come here is, um, you know, Baylor is as a university um, cares a lot about integrating a Christian worldview into everything we do. And in particular, my department, um, you know, the, the decision for me to come here was, was largely centered around that idea that we care a lot about thinking carefully about finance, about financial markets, about corporations, um, and how a Christian worldview impacts um, how a student going out, um, you know, should see the world. And so as we think about all this, um, you know, I'd, I was thinking about it as we were preparing for the podcast, um, you know, what is finance? Uh, you know, if you go to Wikipedia, I actually printed out um, Wikipedia's definition. So I'll read that to you, and then I'll read, then I'll sort of give you my view of what what it is that we do. Um, so Wikipedia says finance is the study of money and how it's used. Specifically, it deals with the questions of how an individual company or government acquires the money needed, called capital in the company context, and how they then spend or invest that money. And so that's a good definition. Um, but I like to think of finance as being sort of the tool or the instrument that God uses and, the, and God uses people in the world, you know, to, to make this work. So finance is the, is the tool that God uses to, to allocate capital money across the economy efficiently. You know, so moving money from one industry to another, from one company to another. And so not, also, not only, you know, across industries or across companies, but also across time, right? As we plan for retirement, we're able to save money to prepare for something in the future. Um, but as we think about, you know, even that is a good, good thing to kind of jump off on, you know, God is outside of time. So in that respect, it's all, it's all about how God is using people, corporations, institutions to sort of move money around, hopefully in an efficient way. And so as we think about what's going on right now, it's just a great opportunity to remember um, sort of what our role is in that. You know, that we are 
stewards of everything, whether it's the money in our retirement account or whether it's the money, you know, that we're managing for a corporation or money we're managing as a mutual fund manager or anything like that. It's God's money. We're stewards. And behind it all, there may be important lessons for us to learn about our hearts, you know, as we see the value of a portfolio, let's say our 401k going down, uh, where's our heart in that? And so, um, you know, there's a lot more we could talk about there, but as I have conversations with students, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of opportunities to have good conversations about what gets revealed about our hearts through a crisis like this um, and where our sense of identity and worth is. Yeah, I never thought about that. And even in terms of having conversations with people, um, you know, in terms of evangelism and the role that I'm usually in, uh, economics and finance seems to, will seem to be a, an, an interesting kind of talking point and conversation starter with people, especially unbelievers. And I need to showcase uh, a certain amount of, of peace, even amongst kind of a chaos that we're going through. So that, you know, that, that, that's good. I, I, really, I really like that perspective. Um, what about churches in general? Do you have any perspective um, on, you know, the PPP and, and church taking money from the government? Is, is that anything that you reflect on? You know, it's fine. In, in this situation, I haven't, I haven't thought much about that particular issue. I just, I, I will say that um, there's a lot of interesting questions on that. Um, I'm just not a big fan of the churches being too involved with or dependent on government aid. You know, in some sense, I'm uncomfortable with, um, you know, the dependence on the, you know, uh, tax deduction of gifts to churches. I mean, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we have to incentivize people to give. Um, but I don't like the idea that we think the church is going to fall apart if we were to take that away. Right. Mm. Um, so anyway, I'd, I, I would kind of pass on that question about, um, you know, taking, taking the PPP money. Um, just because I haven't given it a lot of thought. I mean, I think sure. it's, it's like most things, um, you know, if we, if we can use it responsibly and with the right heart posture towards it, um, it can be a way to bridge, to bridge this gap. Um, so with families and with churches and other institutions, if we're supposed to be stewards of allocating resources, I guess, um, with justice in mind and doing it in a way that's God honoring, um, it makes me think that in the time that I've reflected on what's going on in this, in this issue and in issues like when I watched the economy, um, you know, not only in 2008, but during Katrina and even in, during 2001 and September 11th, it seems to me when we have these crisis situations that we go into this hoarding mode, we go into this, this protection mode. I mean, I did, right. I mean, just even a week into understanding what this pandemic was. I mean, my first thought was I've got to keep safety for my family first. And then I started hearing my church say, Hey, continue to give, we still need these resources. So have you gave, have you given much thought about, I mean, as we're allocating resources and thinking about resources, fear is, seems to be, the fear of the unknown seems to be a really big kind of component in finances. I mean, how should I be thinking about things like 
as a, as a husband and a father, being a Christian and understanding that God has it in control, but also my responsibility to figure out a way to um, allocate my resources, I guess, in a God-like manner. Does that make sense? I mean, because I mean, even in Pelham where I live, a week into it, we had no toilet paper. Uh, we had people hoarding eggs and milk. You would go to the store, there's nothing left. Um, that doesn't seem to me like a Christian way to be in terms of hoarding my resources uh, to the point where I'm keeping resources from somebody else. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I, and I will tell you, we've had a lot of conversations in, in our house about, about those issues. But I think it's, it is, you know, what we're talking about here is really just a kind of a microcosm of what what a person has to think about when they're planning for retirement, right? You know, so you need to, we, with wisdom, we should allocate some money, we should set aside some money and invest it wisely um, with the idea that we can provide for ourselves when we, and our families, when we can no longer work. But the minute we turn that into, um, you know, this essentially this idol that we worship, you know, what is my 401k balance? What is, what is the balance in my IRA? Um, and we measure our worth in that, you know, we've, we've gone off track, you know, and I think that is, that is the reason that, that Jesus spends so much time talking about money because of what it can do to our heart. And so backing back up to just specifically in this pandemic, you know, it's the same idea. It, it's, it's good for us to plan to provide for our families and to go out and, and thankfully he's given us the resources to go out and buy the things we need, but how quickly that can turn into, I need more toilet paper. I need more this or that. And if I can get that pickup order scheduled with the grocery store, then I'll be okay. Well, no, you know, we're just going to go and find the next thing to worry about, you know? And so I have appreciated that element of this, you know, that it's a chance to sort of really examine where your confidence is, where your hope is. And if your hope is in, Hey, I can stock up my pantry a little bit more, you know, so that I can last a month because who knows how long this is going to go on. I think we're starting to tip over to the unhealthy side. And, and so, like I said, I've appreciated that because it has given us a good chance to have some meaningful conversations in our family about just about things like that, about planning versus, um, you know, wise planning versus thinking we can control everything. So I want to bring in another Baylor grad, of course, PhD, you know, Dr. Koblenz. Hey, um, Travis, expand a little bit on this. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in what Shane has to say in terms of our, um, you know, allocating resources to something that it's like a mechanism that, that that's there. I'm assuming this is kind of like gravity. It's just something that's a part of the world that we live in. We talked in our last podcast about being a hero, uh, our last podcast together about finances on, on the, the, the theology of economics, about being a hero in this situation. Um, expand a little bit of, uh, or, or at least get into the conversation and, and tell me what, you, what, what, what is this making you think about? Yeah, I mean, I, as a, uh, you know, I, I, I've, questioned a lot or thought a lot about the the ethics of finance just in general. Um, I know that there's a, we have a tendency, I'm going to try to tie, tie together a bunch of thoughts, but we have a tendency uh, as Christians to uh, 
to demonize money. Uh, I think we, t- we tend toward the two extremes. Um, I don't know, my life, I've tended to tend toward the extreme of if you have money, you're probably a bad person. Um, I'm not saying that's the right view. Uh, and even the idea, of, as we're talking about finance and, 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 you know, setting things aside for retirement and so on and so forth, you know, I, uh, you can't help but have verses like this come up, you know, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, why worry about tomorrow, you can't add a single hour to your life, because if you're, if you're serving God, he takes care of the flowers, he takes care of the birds, and you're more, you're worth more than them, which almost sounds like, uh, uh, I don't, I can't pronounce the name of the school either. Even I've pronounced it for years incorrectly. Hank, Hank Hammer. Yeah. Hank Hammer. Anyway, uh, which makes that an evil institution that doesn't belong in a Christian school and, uh, you're serving mammon, uh, or whatever that word is. Uh, so that's, that's what, that's one way to look at it and say, you know, we, what we need to do is, you know, take your hands off the wheel and let Jesus drive, uh, you into the tree. So, but the, you know, the other, I, I think that's a, a misreading of what's going on in Luke and Matthew in those passages, by the way. Um, I think that's, that's somewhat, of a mis- somewhat of a misunderstanding. But you have the other extreme of, of, of the hoarding element. And it seems like what we're being called to do is be somewhere between those two. And uh, I know Brad Act, Lord Acton, he's not actually a Lord, uh, brought that up. Um, and uh, a little bit about that, but so we, we should be concerned. I shouldn't be sloppy with my money. I have children. I have to deal with the fact that eventually my body's not going to work or whatever. And there's going to be people having to take care of me. I need the finances for it. Um, uh, we need to be reasonable. I should be trying to get food. I should wash my hands and not cough on my neighbors. You know, those, those sorts of just general, you know, the rules of the household as economics is in Greek, um, the law of the house. Uh, but at the same time, um, I shouldn't be, so there's the hoarding side, the obsessive side where I'm trying to protect, 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 protect. And there's the other side where it's just sloppy and unconcerned. And it seems like if, if I can try to bring this together, it seems like there's two ways of approaching life. There's one where you just kind of go with the flow and say, God is in control, or you can go sort of the hippie style where you go with nature, you run around in a loincloth maybe and, uh, eat mushrooms and then there's the other side where you're attempting, where you're, you're scared every time anything loses some control where, and, and it seems like economic, it seems like all sciences are an attempt to try to, to, to put the world, even theology could be an attempt to put God in, in sort of a box of the understandable. We know what buttons to push to get what kinds of outcomes. If I pull this lever, I get this treat. Um, and then COVID-19 jumps in and, all bets are off. It affects economics, it affects education, it affects family life, it affects normal everyday working life. Um, and everything kind of goes into chaos. And at those moments, the hoarding is the only control you have, right? Like I was, I've t- I heard someone talk about why people are hoarding toilet paper of all the things to be concerned about, because it's clear, it's simple, and it's an attempt to try to control something. Um, so what, what I'm sort of interested in this whole element of finance and the way the churches respond to it is have we been clinging too tightly to, to the economic boom that just is generally the United States? Um, has that been hurting us? Have we put too much trust in things like this? Is COVID-19, I'm not saying God's punishing us, um, but is COVID-19, should we understand it as a wake-up call 
to put our trust in God. And the fact that we, we become so fearful in this situation, I'm trying to bring it back to the hero thing, that uh, one of the things we talked about was in, in a horror, the difference between a horror movie and a heroic movie is in a horror movie, everybody's looking out for themselves. In a heroic movie, somebody has a purpose and a drive to sacrifice themselves for other people. That's the only difference. The villains can be the same. The danger can be the same. The difference is selfishness versus turning toward one another. Um, has our attempt to try to control things, has, has the COVID-19 problem, the pandemic become something where it's a wake-up call to, for the church to be looking out for other people? Um, I mean, that's sort of an obvious question, but I need to shut up, but it's, it's, it's somewhere in that, like, there's this obsession with control of the world, and there's also those who just don't do anything. Where does the church fit between that spectrum of absolute control and don't worry about it, you know, don't worry, be happy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, goodness, it's my view that amongst the many, many, many things that God is doing through this, that that is a huge one, that, that this is a wake-up call. And, and so in some sense, you know, I, I, there, there's a part of me that, um, you know, that realizes we still haven't learned our lesson. Um, and, you know, even though this has gotten uh, really severe, you know, everything that we say about, I want to get back to normal, I want to get back to normal, you know, maybe, maybe normal is not where we as believers need to be, at least the way we're thinking about normal. And so I think there is a there is a great opportunity, there's a great responsibility for the church, um, you know, to live differently, to really show where our hope is. And, and when we go out and hoard, I don't think we're showing that very well. And I think of, you know, I think of like Acts 2 and how the believers live together and how great an opportunity this is, you know, to, to really showcase that. Because not only is it sort of what we're commanded to do as believers, but also you know, you've seen what the government stimulus program, you know, how this has turned out. It takes weeks and weeks to get out checks and then we send them to the wrong accounts and everything. And throughout history, throughout the church history, right, what, what has the church been able to do? The church is in the community and able to attend to needs much more quickly, much more responsively. And, and I hope we're not missing that in this. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I can almost sense this like, well, the government's got these programs to take care of it. And so we don't necessarily have to worry as much about that. When in fact, I think what an opportunity for us to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now. And so I hope that we don't, don't lose that opportunity. Yeah. There's, if you, even if you look at those passages, for example, the do not worry and so on and so forth, uh, scholars will suggest that that wasn't spoken to individuals, that was spoken to the church living and acting. And so you take, you take the do not worry and, and put that against the backdrop of Acts 2. Yeah, all oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. This isn't, I'm not going to get a job, I'm going to go out in nature and preach to the birds like St. Francis and I'm going to be all right. You have to have the church community. And when the church community is living as it's meant to be, then we need not worry. Which, Amen. Do we have a tendency to look at finance, uh, Shane, as an individual thing and not corporate? I mean, I mean, is that, is that, I, I know I do. I mean, when I think of finances and I think of my stocks or 401k, everything's about, it's very self-centered. 
So are you advocating for, or, or do you think about finance in the world that you're in and economics is more of a, it's bigger than that. It's not just an individual act. It's a, it's a corporate act. It's being a one part of something bigger than myself. Is, is that true? It seems that uh, finance is, is very self-centered. Um, am I wrong? Uh, absolutely. And I think I want to go back to the, you know, the, the horror movie versus, um, Oh, what was the other, the other kind of movie we were talking about? Like a heroic horror. A heroic movie. Yeah. So a horror movie versus a heroic movie and the way that, um, that we tend to think about finance and, you know, especially people, um, outside the industry, you know, it's essentially a horror movie. You know, everybody's looking out for themselves. Everybody's, you know, just wanting to get as much money for themselves as they can. And, you know, so in that sense, like finance is, is like any other tool that God gives us, right? You can use it for a lot of really good stuff, or you can use it for a lot of evil. And, and I think that where you end up with that is dependent on how you approach it. And so do you approach it as this individualistic, you know, I'm going to get as much money for myself as I can or for my, my company, my fund, whatever, or am I seeing myself as part of something much, much bigger, you know, as part of God's economy, as part of, you know, one of the, you know, let's take, um, let's take investment banking, you know, which is this, this industry that sits, you know, between investors and corporations, you know, and so an investment banker, helps a company raise money from the public and collects a big fee for doing it. Or an investment banker advises a company on whether to do a merger and collects a big fee for doing that. And if you approach that with the view that I'm going to just extract the biggest fee out of that that I can so that I can retire when I'm 50 and, you know, live on the beach, whatever. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's not going to, Number one, it's not going to help other people have a favorable view of the industry. Um, but it's also just, that's not really seeing the role that you're playing in society in the proper way. And so that's just something I try to try to talk to students about a lot, you know, is what are we doing in this, in this industry? And ultimately we're serving. I mean, it's really, it's just like any other profession. If you see it correctly, it's about serving. And so, you know, kind of back to what, Matt was saying at first about the, um, you know, about planning for retirement. You know, this is a way um, to serve your family, that those that are dependent on you, um, you know, to use resources that God has given you to, you know, to plan wisely. Um, and so it can be used for a lot of good, but it can be used way in the other direction as well. And so that's just part of our, um, you know, our, our sanctification process, I guess, is to, is to learn how to wisely use and handle to steward the resources that God has given us. And we're going to make mistakes along the way. And this pandemic, you know, has been a good opportunity to kind of zero in and see some of those mistakes, I think. And there's a freedom when you do it well, right? I mean, that's the interesting thing when, when you're a good steward and you have the right concept and you have the right assumptions uh, and the purpose and mission for why, what you're doing with your resources, it seems to me that you have more freedoms to do what God calls you to do. Uh, this is an interesting time to watch as I work for the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions and I, I've had the opportunity over the last three or four weeks to call pastors and see how they're doing. And most of the pastors that I'm calling are, are small rural church pastors that are bivocational. 
And in talking with them, I inevitably get to financial issues and how are they doing there? Is there a way that we can help out? And all the small churches, majority of the small churches that have no debt are doing great. And in fact, you know, other than not being able to meet, um, you know, they, they keep telling me, oh, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get this through fine. Uh, but you have other big churches in these, in these kind of highly densely populated areas that have a massive amount of debt, whether it's building debt or something other debt. And they're the ones that are panicking, you know, because they're getting hit by all sides. Not only they, they have a lot of debt, but I mean, it, I mean, they got months and months until their full congregation can meet. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, it's going to take a long time for these big churches to meet before we can, you know, we, we have a handle on, on how, on the protocols of this, of this COVID-19 and who knows if a vaccine comes out, but there seems to be Travis, am I right? It, it, when you're saying, don't worry, what, what I also think of is if you do it the right way, there's a freeing element to it for you to be the hero in the story or, or at least act heroically in the story. Yeah. It, it, I think it really switches our, it switches our perspective, but you have to have a sense that we're in this together too. You have to have uh you know, a hero is always attached to some, I guess so you can have kind of maybe the Lone Ranger idea, even though even he had Tonto. But uh, there's a, they have to have a sense of sort of being in this together, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a total switch of, of attitude when you're thinking about, you know, when I'm thinking about, oh, you know, what if the economy crashes? What if the supply chains shut down and suddenly there's no food? You start freaking out. I need yeah. to take care of my family, so on and so forth. And then, but you can reverse it and start. I start thinking, what if the economy shuts down and the supply chain shut down? How am I going to help my neighbors? How are yeah. we going to make it through this? And suddenly, for some reason, that's more responsibility and less anxiety. I don't know why that is the case, but it's like when once your purpose is outside you, you and your your cloistered, it just it feels different. It's like, oh, that's what I'm made for. It's almost like we're meant to carry that kind of burden for one another. Huh. That so, makes sense. so as you think about bigger responsibilities outside of yourself, you have less anxiety. I could see that. Yeah. 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 What do you think about that, Shane? Oh, I think that's definitely true. Um, you know, cause, cause ultimately, um, you know, Christ came to serve us and, and we're to model that. And, um, out of gratitude, right? And so when, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I believe that's how we're made to live is in service to others. And when we, when we become inward focused, it's just much easier to fall victim to the anxieties. Um, and, and that doesn't mean, um, you know, some of us are just going to struggle more with anxiety versus others. Um, and, and some of that's just kind of naturally how, how God created each one of us individually. Um, but I think that's where it's just so important to go back to the word, go back to the word. And it's so clearly there that yes, the right response to this is how am I going to help my neighbor as opposed to how am I going to keep my family safe and make sure they're provided for you know, when I know that God's telling me um, he's going to take care of me. So good. So this has been one big promotion for Baylor University. So I, I expect uh, some royalties or something. But I mean, for those that are listening, you get a sense of of how lucky and blessed I am to have been around some pretty remarkable and people. And uh, I showcase it was showcased in the last podcast that came out in 
this definitely will be no different. Hey, uh, Dr. Shane, I've always enjoyed our friendship. I know we, we, we probably talk to each other once every couple of years, but uh, I'm, your, your wife is a really great friend of mine. And, and I, I think about our times together at University of, University of Alabama with fondness and uh, what you've been able to accomplish has, has, has been incredible. And uh, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the stance that you have and being a Christian. And you're also a part of a, a Christian group at Baylor, right? Like a professional Christian group I saw. Uh, well, um, first, thank you for your kind words. And it's been, it's been a blessing to, to have known you and Holly and your, your kids and wish we could see you more. Um, yeah, no doubt. But, but yeah, um, I am actually, uh, part of it's a national group of Christian finance professors that was actually started by my colleague Bob Brooks when I was at Alabama and Bob was instantly the guy that uh, mentored me as an undergrad and encouraged me inspired me to get a PhD but uh, we have about a hundred faculty um, more than a hundred now across the country and a few overseas um, and including some at some you know really top schools um, really sharp people in the field um, who are very committed believers. And we gathered uh, at a couple conferences a year. I've just been thinking recently about what that will look like this year. If we actually have <laughs> the one is supposed to be in October in New York. So we'll see about that. But um, it's been a real encouragement. Uh, we just kind of talk about, you know, Hey, how should, how should um, the fact that we are believers, how should it impact what we do? Um, you know, in the classroom and with our research, you know, what's the posture we should have. And, and it's been a real blessing. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff come out of that group in the years to come. Well, if there's a way I, I can see Travis's like the way his mind's his mind works. And the first thing he would say is let tra let tactical faith be a place to support that group. And if, if you ever, you know, want to you know, write something for us or come on for a blog, it's here. Um, uh, we would love to have that conversation more. And in fact, that the way I know Travis is, he's probably already thinking about having a conference on economics and finance at his church. Aren't you, Travis? <laughs> uh, I would, it's, that's, that's not my area, but yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I would, it would be a great opportunity for me to learn. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe we can go over to Baylor and do, and do some interviews. How about that? Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Underwood, for coming on. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again. And for those of you that are listening, of course, uh, this is what we do at Tactical Faith. We try to train and equip uh, not only the state of Alabama, but the South and beyond uh, to think reflectively about the Christian worldview. And not only that, to, uh, to use that knowledge to become more Christ-like, because that's ultimately the goal as we all move towards uh, the new kingdom and the new earth where Jesus, uh, where he reigns and will reign. Um, if you want to know more about Tactical Faith, we're 501c3. You can go to tacticalfaith.com. Info at tacticalfaith.com, of course, is our email. Uh, mine is Matt at uh, tacticalfaith.com and uh, Travis at tacticalfaith.com. Uh, there you'll find uh, some writing uh, by Travis. You'll find also his podcast on the Tactical Faith uh, Network. Uh, again, uh, we would love your support. Uh, we would love your questions. And uh, we are just using this opportunity to just to push out and promote uh, great content. I hope great content uh, that the church can use uh, to further its mission. Uh, so thank you for coming on and we will check you on the next podcast.